Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast preview show. We're here to look ahead to the Birmingham City away game while also looking back at the defeat at Huddersfield Town and also uh, a little chat about Sunderland Till I Die, which uh, hit Netflix, the third series of which hit Netflix uh, this week. Tonight I'm joined by Michael Loff. Hi, Michael. You all right? Hi, mate. Yeah, I'm good. Um, obviously, the cliche, the path from back last night, mate, where you know that for. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, as you, as you well know, I'm famous for processing these kind of things. <laughs> so, so 90th minute, I was done. I was, I'd, I'd written it off. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also joined by uh, John Lambert. Hi, John, you all right? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a while. Uh, much like Mickey, I'm still kind of in the post-mortem stage of uh, last night's game. So <sighs> it's two steps forward and 25 steps back, isn't it, I suppose? Well, actually, I, I thought about not what because it was it wasn't getting any better. And I thought about just turning off and putting the putting the rest of Sunderland until I die on. <laughs> that's how that's how I felt. Even like I could just not watch that and watch something else entirely different. Um, <laughs> so so fair play to the ones that, that did go um, last night. It's a long. Well, no, it's, it's not even a long way to go. It's one of the shortest trips we'd have to make, and and yeah, just terrible, terrible result. But um, well, first of all, let's 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 chat about Sunderland till I die because that that dropped this week. How's uh, how's is everyone enjoying that? Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, it was very I did. Good. Mm-hmm. Cool. We um, we were lucky enough to go. I'm not I'm not doing like any name dropping here. We, we were lucky enough to go to the, the premiere on on Monday night, so we watched the third episode, um, and then and then uh, picked it up with the, the first and I'm going to watch the. Watch the third one again tonight because uh, it really was probably the best. That was probably the, probably the best episode they've done of that out of out of all three series. Just wrapping it up beautifully and and having that kind of poignant finish to it as well. So like, really nice way to finish it off. Uh, bittersweet, you might say. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I think it says a lot about kind of what we all go through with Sunderland fans, uh, I made sure that I watched them all on Tuesday night because I kind of knew I'd be annoyed with them by the time it came around to like Thursday and like last night. So I thought, right, I'll get out of the way. We'll won against um, Plymouth. I'm still in a good mood. I still quite like us at the minute, so I'll watch it before last night's um, inevitable defeat. But no, really enjoyed it. And like you said, Rick, I think that third episode was um, probably the strongest because it just kind of knit together everything about what we went through like in League One, how, how much... Um, after that Wickham game, it felt like a weight had just lifted off our shoulders, like the entire fan base, the entire 
kind of Sunderland community as well. And then, as you say, that ending, it was a bit, you were you were up a height and like, oh my God, I'm really living this amazing moment. And then it was that stark reminder of how life can change so quickly. But I think we all have someone like that in our lives who, I, I know certainly when my granddad passed in 2022, the last conversation we ever had was about a 1-0 victory over Stoke. Obviously, at the time, we didn't know that, but I think that just sums it up what it's like for so many Sunderland families. So it was a really poignant moment. I'm sure everybody will relate to it. Um, but I think it was... Overall, that well done. The first two episodes, I wasn't as kind of um, over the moon with, but I did like that touches with um, Jack Clark and Paddy Roberts going to the was the veterans in crisis to like talk to them and um, share their experiences, yeah. and they came across as two like really humble, down to earth lads as well as being very talented footballers. So, no, it was a really enjoyable watch. I just wish in a way it had come out this time last year because I think it would have had even more of an impact. You know what I mean? Because it was so yeah. fresh in our minds. Now it just feels as though. The club is just in a completely different stratosphere than what it was then. I mean, for better or worse, you look and Ross Stewart, he was featured heavily, not there anymore. Linda Gooch featured heavily, not there anymore. So it was the whole thing, and a little bit of a bittersweet thing, but overall, I think they did a fantastic job. And the third episode, like you say, I think that's the best of a bunch throughout the entire three series. So enjoyed it. Yeah, John, have you got all th- through all three yet, or are you still there? Uh, you, you, you kind of drip feeding them to yourself so to, to, to drag um, out the enjoyment. Or, or no, I. I binge watched them. Um, it, I felt it's been a long time coming. Like you say, it's probably a year too late, as Mickey says. But um, had to keep reminding myself that it's it's for everyone else's benefit, not Sunderland fans. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know there's been a few like, sarky comments online about, oh, you know, I wasn't wearing those clothes when I celebrated that goal and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. And it's just like it, there is a bit of artistic license is allowed. It's a production for everyone else's benefit. So those little details I wasn't so fussed about. I thought the narrative was much better this time in terms of focusing on a certain senior element of the supportership. Because I think a lot of us, (laughs) well, I say young, the Mickeys uh, and the Matthews and, and everyone are a bit younger, but that kind of, I think a lot of podcasters, have a, a big voice and I think it was good to see some of the more senior supporters and see the ones that have been watching it since the 60s and 70s and and seeing their journey and seeing like the friendships um that they've had over the years through through the through the club um and obviously there's an important angle on the mental health which is wasn't necessarily about preaching and well-being and mental health I thought it was um I thought it showed how closely linked a football club can be to a way of life and what brings you up and brings you down. And despite last mm-hmm. night's result, we'll all be optimistic again on Saturday and we'll all be back in the lads at five to three, putting on daft bets and believing again, uh, or yeah. getting on the train or, you know, drive, driving down to Birmingham and doing whatever we have to do to watch the game, five VPNs, whatever it requires. Um, the biggest disappointment for me was obviously it started with a six nil. I was like, oh, it's all right. Cause you know, we've got, we've got Doncaster and we've got Cheltenham to get over and then it's all good. Alex Neil comes in. I forgot that it took us five games or so to win a game under Alex Neil. So it felt like for the first half an hour, it was just, I was like, how did we get out of this division? Cause we were just running yeah. out of games. But, um, I thought it was quite cleverly edited the way it was, well, I'm a bit cynical, but whether, it was all part of a master plan, like they said, to target playoffs, peak at playoffs, and 
employ a coach specialist for playoffs. It that felt like um, yeah, it was made to look like a masterstroke by um, Sartorian and Dreyfus. But yeah. um, I actually really enjoyed making it up on the hoof, wasn't it? And then 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 saying actually, this is what we meant to do all along. Yeah, a little bit like that. But I did, I did really enjoy it. There was a lot of happy memories from from Wembley and Sheffield Wednesday and all those. Mm kind of crucial things and like you say the kind of melancholic ending where it just hits home um about um how much it's uh, a bit more important than just the football yeah i think the one common theme that um the, i think the result for everything like the, the solution if you're feeling a little bit sad or you know you're out of the the first team or or you've got some kind of injury is just to to get in to see that was what the first the first episode particularly said is just get into the North Sea, uh, go to Roca, jump in the sea, and you'll feel great. Um, so that, that that's if that's the one thing that comes out of it. Actually, I wouldn't get in the sea at the moment, not with the sewage going into it. But they didn't they didn't cover that, and it's not it's not their place to cover it. But um, so maybe don't get in the sea. I think that's my my main takeaway. <laughs> well, a lot of people were wanting to get in the sea last night after the. Uh, after the disappointing one nil defeat down at the John Smith Stadium. Can't believe it's still called the John Smith Stadium. I thought it'd be called something like University of West Yorkshire or something or but no, they're, they're stuck with the uh, with the booze sponsorship. But um again, probably a lot of fans wanted to turn to the booze after that because it was pretty pretty turgid stuff. I will come to you first, Mick. You you were down there, weren't you? What did you Yeah, make I can't confirm yeah, I can't confirm but they turned to the booze for my journey yeah. home. So uh, we'll get the positive but, out of the way. But not, not John Smith, so... No, not John Firmly Smith. not no. John Smith. No. Um, I, I got some Carlsberg exports from way back. Not Carlsberg, because that's Mingan, but exports very nice. So grab myself some Carlsberg export from way back. Um, no, I just... I felt just really deflated, because I think... I, I actually wrote a piece on the site the other day where I said a couple of like nice mm-hmm. things about Bale and the direction we were going in, but I did caveat it with it saying... Look, I still don't think we put together a 90-minute performance since he's come to the club. Um, and the next two games are going to be crucial in terms of kind of either getting the fan base behind him or getting the fan base to think, right, he's really not the right guy for the job. And I think last night he didn't do himself any favours, not only with the performance, but also when he came out after the game and said, look, we need to be realistic and accept that we're not going to blow teams away. I think, well, literally yeah. on Saturday we had a 20-minute spell where we blew the opposition away. And even though this season hasn't been inspiring at times, we beat Southampton five 0 at home. We've like scored like we've won by like a margin of three to one at home quite a lot this season. You know we can blow teams away, um, but I think last night it was just a theme, and this goes back to the Mowbray days as well of just away from home. We just look toothless. We, we don't look um, capable of scoring a goal, and. Ultimately, for all people say we might look a bit more defensively solid now. We're still conceded a very sloppy poor goal. So it just didn't um, bring a lot of inspiration, really, and I thought it was a very poor performance, and I think it said it all, but Huddersfield deserved to win the game, and I know they've been a little bit better recently, but the tw- were 21st in the table going into the game last night, and they outfought us. I think they outplayed us at times. We're not a great side, but the functionals, they had clearly defined roles, and they thoroughly deserved to win the game. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, for quite a lot of soul-searching after last night, because... It's so frustrating because for all our form in general has been quite power for a while now. We're still so close to being in the playoffs. So if we can just put a run together, you never know what will happen. But 
Yes. It seems like every every time on the cusp of turning it around, we have a performance and a result like last night, and it's just not good enough across the board, and it's just really, really frustrating from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, finding a different way of playing is, is seems to be the key thing, and it, 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 again, it boils down to perhaps not having a number nine that the ball will stick to when when you know if we go a little bit more direct. Um, John, do you think do you think last night showed that that we that we that we are still missing that that key? key player in that position yeah well the fact that we had to um uh, well we subbed off a striker and didn't bring on a striker wasn't um the greatest move in the world and then bringing Burstow on late on in a bit to try and get a goal so isn't a brilliant move either I think if I'd stretch and get a positive out of the game that um I thought um the new winger looked good Mundo um apart from Almost trying to ninja um, someone's legs off right at the end of the game. Yeah, but, I think um, after that, I thought he fell fell quite sharply off a cliff. After that, <laughs> he completely yeah. lost his head. Yeah, <laughs> like but first, he, the tackle alone, then then he kind of hit out at a couple of players and shoved them. And I thought I thought he was going to get a second yellow. I was convinced he the, was. Yeah, the frustration for me was the urgency, and he seemed to come on around seventy five minutes, where everything's we started pressing off the ball, we started moving the ball forward. And it's like, well, why have you waited seventy five minutes? That you've got two thirds of the ball all night, and you've done absolutely nothing with it. Um, mm. We were so narrow with this refusal. Um, if Patrick Roberts doesn't start to have anyone else on the right, um, and all that does is drag everything to the middle and to the left, and obviously. Jack Clark gets smothered with two to three defenders for the whole game, and he becomes less Im- impactive. And it just it narrows it narrows uh, the game completely, which falls into the hands of a lesser uh, capable side. And that that was so frustrating because you could see it, and you're like, this isn't anywhere close to the best version of ourselves. Um, our waveform it isn't dreadful, but it it was what was good last year. And it's probably what carried us into the playoffs was picking up points away from home. It's 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 flipped this year. I mean, we're averaging a point away from home, a goal a, a goal a game away from home, a goal against away from home. There's nothing nothing really exciting about it. There's not a lot for travelling fans to look forward to. I mean, for Huddersfield to do a double over us is it's it's really not great. And mm. Quite defeatist comments, I thought, from Bill in terms of you know we're not going to steamroll sides. Well, yeah, no, you're not going to steamroll sides every week. But there's certain games where you know you should, you know, we're not playing, you know, will beaters there last night. They're not, they're not that good. And actually, if we actually focused on taking it to teams like like we did at times under Mowbray, where you know the, you know, win, lose or draw, you knew you were you were probably getting some entertainment out of the process. Um, but last night, the, the, well, probably probably since, um, I'm trying to think which one of the first, earlier games than the Bill, where you, or the Preston game where, you know, you're just satisfied with 2-0 and you just knew we were going through the motions for the second half, which is, you know, it's all right to an extent, but if that plan doesn't work, what what are you going to do? What where, where are your gears? Where are your next levels? And it was just, um, just, you, you you kind of felt, I was chatting to a couple of friends on the group chat, and you kind of felt that it, we had a, the cliche could have been there till midnight and then we wouldn't have scored because we just didn't have that endeavour. And the bloody, when um, when Matey Boy scored for them, is it Matty Pearson? And then 
the announcer decides to go through his whole sponsor, his nickname, the Keeley Cannavaro, and everything. It must have got the biggest build-up <laughs> to a, a nod in off your chest from one yard you've ever seen. And it just, <laughs> just further kind of emphasised how, like, tin pot they were, you know, to leave a whole empty stand um, and only give us 2,000 seats as well. But the 2,000 seats thing's another story because that's all we give other teams. Yeah, but yeah I think for, long- for a team that's that's been in the Premier League more recently yeah. than we have, to have every single touch point of a game sponsored by something it is <laughs> it's quite it's it's it felt it felt very I don't want to say League One, but it did feel like going to one of those smaller clubs when they when they have like the added time on sponsored by, you know, a construction business. Mm-hmm. It it yeah, it didn't didn't sound great. And when they were making, you know, three or four subs at a time and you've got they're all they're all sponsored by different people. Yeah, by like oh, the local handyman or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's a very small time. But yeah, I mean, the attacking issue is a massive problem. We massively mm. rely on Jack Clark incredibly. Um, I think we are a better team with Robertson, but obviously he, he isn't weighed in with the important stats for us. And our XG's just gone down the toilet. So it is, it is a massive concern. And it doesn't seem to be a concern after six transfer windows that um, yeah. Speakman wants to address or the recruitment team overall. You mentioned the the XG there, John. Um, it was uh, Huddersfield got a 1.45 XG compared to our 0.78, despite having a similar amount of efforts on target. I think we both had five efforts on target, which kind of just shows how how impotent we are going forward and how how you know sides now know that if they can nullify Clark, they can kind of away from home pretty much do a job against us and the, the threat isn't coming from anywhere else on the pitch. Um, just touching on what, what Beale, or Michael Beale actually said after the game, is his, his actual quote was, on our best day, we can be slightly better than the opposition, but we are not going to blow anyone away. It just it, that's for, for a club like Sunderland, I know, I know the fans are often criticised for having too high expectations, but for a club of Sunderland's size, stature, history, if in the game, that's just not good enough, is it? No, it's, absolutely um, not. Sorry, John. No, no. no I was, I was, it's, uh, I was um, expecting you all to shout in unison. It's, no, <laughs> it's, it's it's just it's embarrassing. Whatever whatever you think of recent history and everything, it is you know at the end of the day we're we're operating the championship. We were in the top six last year. We playoff semi finalists. Um, we sh- you know we should um, biggest. Biggest crowd in the division. We should be. You know, there should be a, an element of, you know, arrogance against certain opposition. Mm-hmm. And it's not there. We're too, too nice. And if he's in, if that's his mantra, which he's instilling through, through, through the the playing squads, that worries me because it's a real small time attitude to have, which probably fits his profile. You know that he's he's not had those top jobs. He's. He's been in, you know, he's been at two clubs that he's with the being the main man for very short periods of time and moved on. Um, and before that, he's been in the background working with developing players where there isn't actually, you know, an end article. And he's, you know, it's is it is worrying if that's the kind of uh, philosophy, for want of a better word, of um, you know, that we might be just a little bit better if we're on fire. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think, I think if, if you're if you're winning, 
Sorry, sorry, Mick. I think my my uh, my Wi-Fi is on its on its ass. Well, you, you go. Yeah, I think there's two <laughs> strands to it. Um, I agree with everything John said there, but um, what I would like to add, I think the the comment about like oh, like blowing teams away, I think it would have been a fair enough comment if he said at our best we do blow teams away, but unfortunately if we don't play at our best. This the the floor's quite low. But what he actually said was, we will be slightly better than the opposition if we play at our best. Yeah, and I just think slightly. It's, it's plainly wrong. It's just wrong. Like it, as I say, we've proven quite on quite a few occasions this season when we do play at our best, we can achieve great results. Do you know what this whole situation reminds me of? And it might sound a bit extreme, but I will kind of quantify what I mean. So, can you remember when we sacked Jack Ross? Because the expectation was that season automatic promotion, and the owners turned around and said, right. Under Ross, with all the underlying data, like kind of points on the board and that, we don't believe we'll achieve enough to get automatic promotion. We then brought in Phil Parkinson, and suddenly there were all these comments coming out about like going to Gillingham and giving it a real good go. And that if we just like defended a set piece, we'd have got a point at Gillingham and we'd have took that all day. Now, I'm not saying it's quite that extreme, but we sacked Tony Mowbray because the objective was to cement the place in the playoffs. Now, we've sacked Mowbray, and that's fine. I don't think too many people could argue with that as much as I like Mowbray. But now we're already seeing this pattern of, like, Bale coming out with these kind of, like, spiky comments of, like, oh, well, if you expect us to actually do this, then you, you're deluded sort of thing. I'm like, no, you've been mm-hmm. brought in because the previous manager wasn't going to take us to where the club thought we'd be. So all we're doing as supporters is I don't think we are being deluded or whatever. All we're doing... We're judging the club by the public standards that they've set. They've come out and talked about a high-performance culture and obsession with progression. We're not seeing a progression. And to me, I'm not seeing anything particularly high-performance. So, for me, there's just this like general lowering of standards at the club, albeit in a higher division than what we were under Phil Parkinson. But it really does kind of like not me that in the same breath we're being told to expect it in from the stars. And then we're also being told simultaneously, no, you expect too much and actually... With the squad we've got, we shouldn't expect to compete here when we've got loads of young players. Hang on, I thought when you took the job, you you banged on about alignment for 20 minutes. So you knew what you were getting yourself into. So I just find them comments, I find them a little bit insulting, actually, to our intelligence. Like, particularly when we do spend like the time and money that we do, like the investment we make in the club, like both emotionally and in terms of our, our, coming out of our pockets. Like, I do feel a little bit insulted and demeaned by it, to be quite honest. It's it's linked to what uh, Christian Speakman said as well, in, and and he may have said this in a, in a flippant way. He might have not meant it the way it came out, but to say we'll plod on until the end of the season, it feels very much plodding on at the moment. And like you can't deny that you know the results against Stoke and Plymouth were good results, and the draw against Middlesbrough was a good result. But I keep, I always keep coming back to it. What would it, would have would Tony Mowbray have got the a similar result? Is there anything that Bale has done that Tony Mowbray wasn't able to do? And I think looking at that, I don't think I don't think there is. I don't think there's anything. I don't. I haven't seen a linear improvement in the team. Certainly, the underlying data has got worse. If anything, and that's that's the credentials upon which the sack Tony Mowbray was was that the data wasn't tracking well. We're tracking terribly now. XG is has fallen off the cliff. Um, we're, yeah, we're out possessing teams, but we're not dominating them. We're not dominating games. We're not looking as you know front foot as we used to do. 
the results are great. Uh, of the results have been largely largely good, especially at home. But but there's nothing in there that that Mowbray wouldn't have done. And, and I can't see what what changes Bale has made to make us look more likely to be promoted. That that's that's a real concern. And I think my, yeah, my main think- question. Go on, go on, so, sorry, it's just to add um, with Mowbray, not to go into an argument of whether Mowbray should still be here, but at least with Mowbray, even if the results were very indifferent at times or similar to what Beals had at the moment when he started, at least Mowbray had a respect for being a very good player in his peak. And he's also got an understanding of the area. Um, he had an engagement with the fans. He said the right things. And he's a motivator, and he had um, he had the dressing room, and I think a lot of young players looked up to him. So even if things weren't going right, there was a certain faith that he had the toolkit to at least improve things, even if it's purely from a an effort and endeavor point of view. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's that that's my biggest concern at the moment. Beal is is does he does he even when if he if he turns out to be tactically inept has he even got the motivational skills to to drag this side up to a best version of themselves when he's coming out with daft phrases like he has done over the last you know few weeks yeah there's um there is a question over you know how long the supporters can stick with that i don't mean protesting or doing campaigns to to get the manager out or or making you know, lots of, I don't want to say the word noise, but saying lots of stuff on social media. I don't mean that. I mean, how long are fans going to persist with knowing that, you know, mid-table is probably as good as it's going to get? And how long will this, you know, when will this start to affect attendances? I know, Mick, you've mentioned in the past the attendances under Mick McCarthy, um, which had bottomed out to around, I think it was around 24, around, around the 24, 25k mark. It's not yeah, suffering. Yeah, 20, 25 for kind of um, your more average games against like Crew and yeah. Rotherham and that, but then we'd get like high 20s, low 30s like against like better opposition and stuff like that if we're all bigger mm. crowds. But How I long before it has an effect on, 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 the, on attendances now? This is it. I mean, even under Roy Kane, right, you look back at that and you think, oh, what an amazing time. And it was an amazing time, but equally, I think last season, I think the average under 35k, like these attendances we're getting now are extraordinary. They really are, like given that were in a lower position than what the general name has been, like this football club throughout its entire history. This is like lower than that, and we're getting the brilliant crowds in. Um, I think the summer is going to be absolutely vital because I think people are still like largely on board, but they're asking questions. But I think in the summer is the first real big test of recruitment because if we don't go up, then Clark's out the door. And then it's like, right, okay, people argue, right, we've already got his replacement in the building with Mundell. But obviously, we still need to... And then, obviously, people, some people would even argue, oh, like, well, the next one will be back, so there's your two left-wingers. But we need to reinvest that money wisely to improve the squad and bring players in who can have an immediate impact. Because from what I saw last night, I think Mundell, he's, like, um, he's going to take time to adapt to playing the championship and playing regular senior football because he's just simply not had in his career. And I think that the, the balance of the team is a little bit too skewed in that of like people who were coming from academy. So, for example... Pembele came on last night and was proved again. He's someone who's got a high pedigree, come through the PSG Academy, had a quite successful loan spell out, and he doesn't look ready. So it's at what no. point do we have to kind of make like slight sacrifices and tweak to like the recruitment structure and say, right, we need to bring in players who can like hit the ground running immediately in the championship. And like you say, 
I don't think actually, and I'm of this opinion as well. With we have a parachute payments work now, and with um, it's not like two thousand and four five where you can go and sign Liam Lawrence, Dean Whitehead, and people like that for next to no money and get promoted like them days have gone. So I do accept as clubs with greater financial credit than us, as like teams like Leicester who essentially have a Premier League squad in the Championship. So I don't expect to get promoted necessarily, but what I do expect is the ambition to get promoted. And again, by ambition, I don't mean spend twenty five million. But, I mean, everything at the club, geared up to being the absolute best we can be, getting players who are ready to uh, hit the ground running immediately, supplement them with some good up-and-coming players who can learn off them first-team-ready players. And everything at the club is geared towards trying to, at the bare minimum, get in a comfortable playoff spot or challenging for the top two. And at the minute, I'm not sure we're seeing it. So, I think in the summer, unless we do see that ambition, I think we will lose the goodwill of quite a lot of supporters. Well, I yeah, agree. I think um, this summer summer will be the proof because um, season ticket renewals will be the the ultimate acid test. Because at the moment, obviously, whether you turn up or not, they still get counted in the attendance. So, and they're probably seventy five percent of the crowd, mm-hmm. and you know the biggest financial committers to the club in terms of match day ticketing. So renewals will be the big big indicator as to how on board the fans remain if we stay in that division. But more importantly, like what Mickey says, is without an endeavour to leave that division is is the big thing. Because we're quite we're quite a forgiving fan base as well as an impatient one as well. I mean, you've only got to look at how Beale was treated on Saturday at Plymouth for personal reasons and for actually footballing reasons. You know, there was a there's a quick bit of forgivement there for previous words and previous uh previous actions um so he's got a big job at the moment to get those fans coming through through the gate again and that's um something a lot has got to change for that to happen no i agree we've had it we've had a few questions um sent in on 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 x from a from a few supporters um there's uh there's one i found quite interesting was uh the way the club and powers of b that have gone about buying and selling players, the club shop and the ticket office, headaches, uh, debacles, the North Stand FA Cup fiasco, no proven trans, uh, no proven striker for six transfer windows, tells me they don't want promotion, yes or no. Hashtag not good enough. Hashtag speakman out. They're not my hashtags. They're the hashtags of um, some man on Twitter. <laughs> so there's yeah. a, the, the point in there is are, are, are we happy? With not going for promotion, as a club seemingly not pushing for promotion, is 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 it a constant? Is it a kind of a, a willful effort to, to to kind of stay in the same division for as long as possible? Well, they say it's a five five year plan, wasn't it? And obviously, I think promotion out of League One under Dreyfus probably came sooner than than they thought. Um, and last year was considered an overachievement, but to plod along in this division for any length of time, as Chris Weatherspoon will tell you, it's it's a financial black hole. The championship, there's only so. I mean, yeah, we get fifteen to twenty televised games a year. That's fine, but that's not going to be sustainable if you're trying to um, operate competitively. Um, we don't pay a lot wage wise. Um, They've clearly cashed in. Um, well, they would cashed in on Ross Stewart, which is probably good business, and that's fine. 
Um, and they're obviously this model, they're obviously trying to unearth the next big thing to again, maximize profit. They clearly cashed in in the Newcastle game. Um, so all the signs are there that I suppose they're trying to make money and not spend money. Um, it's, it's, it's a, Straight up fact, you will not get out of this division unless you spend money in some sort of way because there's four, five, six other teams spending money or already have a squad worth more money. So from my point of view, um, not grabbing opportunities by both hands um, in in the first couple of seasons to get out of this division is a massive error. You, you've got to try and get out of this division because it's not sustainable. It really isn't. And... I wouldn't, I do think the club probably do want to get promoted, but I just don't think they're in any sort of hurry to do it. I think they're um, totally sold on their their model and their way of doing that. And we've got to kind of put up with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the top and bottom of it. It's, I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of chickens are coming home to roost for a lot of, a lot of supporters now who want to think that the, the club are gunning for that, and every every decision that the club make is is for for you know for the the short term benefit. I think I think they're looking down a longer pipe than than what maybe the home like maybe the supporters are looking at, um, and um, that that disconnect is only going to end one way. It's not going to end well for, for for them. I would say just to counter that slightly. I mean. Um... I do accept that quite a lot of what the club do is money orientated, but they have knocked back sizable offers for Jack Clark and Paddy Roberts, which was at least positive to see because there was lots of talk of yeah. Roberts for the God Southampton on deadline day in August. And he did, and Lazio came with a sizable offer in January, and we kind of dismissed it out of hand. So that is pleasing, but I do completely agree with um, John Summary at the end there, where he said that yes, I do think that they want to get promoted, but I don't think there's any immediacy about there was no urgency to get promoted yeah. to the next opportunity. And I think we saw that last season, whereby, yes, I don't think, I think the expectations last season were so fluid because I think a lot of supporters would have been happy with a comfortable mid-table finish. But in the event of things, obviously, we had Ahmad, who I think just surpassed all expectations and how good he was going to be. The football was so much better and the results, particularly away from home, were, were outstanding in a lot of ways. So there was a, a cross point, crossroads, sorry, I think, in January 2023, where we, if the model was agile, we would have gone out and invested in a in a quality striker, quality number nine, to supplement Joe Gellhart to give us the best opportunity possible. And then if you don't get promoted, you turn around and say, right, fair enough, but at least I've had faith that the club have turned around and they've said, right, okay, we've got an unexpected opportunity here. We want to try and grasp the nettle, but we haven't done that. And again, this season a lot of what they say off the pitch doesn't ironically align with what we see. So, Speakman last summer robustly came out a few days after I played off the thing and said, right, we're really proud, but this season it's automatic promotion. We don't want to kind of dumb down expectations. We want to get it automatically. And then you see what we bring in and it doesn't quite marry up. So, mm-hmm. no, I do. Um, I can't even remember like, what the original guy's question was, but in terms of like, is promotion the immediate priority? I don't think it is. I think you're getting into conspiratorial um, waters or if you do say that the club actively don't want to get promoted I don't agree with that necessarily but I don't think that as I say it's like kind of oh well like we want to get out this season it's like right okay we want to get promoted 
but we can only do it one way and it will take an X amount of time. And that's okay if it works out eventually, but what if it doesn't? It leaves you very open to criticism. Yeah. And you you're relying on a lot of a lot of patience from from a, a fan base famously not overly patient. Not saying that we've got massive expectations, but this is our this will be our longest spell outside of the top flight and we're not talking about wanting to get into Europe and, and enjoy the riches of, of the of you know the top half of the Premier League, but just have a crack at it would be nice. Like a proper crack to know that we've given it our best at the end of the season. Um you know, I just think I'm I'm personally a little bit a lot of bit uh, disillusioned by by everything. I wasn't expecting much from the transfer window, um which meant I was actually pleasantly surprised with a couple of the players that came in, but I just think when you see Kiefer Moore going off to Ipswich, who you know was the last season in League One, and that kind of outlay seemed completely alien to to Sunderland, and that's you're looking at what half a million pounds in wages for a player that you know there's no there's no agreement at the end of that deal to to, to take him on permanently. He's not going to be we're not going to be saddled with his wages if if we don't if we didn't go up. I think Ipswich have taken that shot. You know he scored. Three now, three and three. It could have been all the difference for us, and, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that that fans will will point to at the end of the season. If we haven't had a goal, there've been opportunities for us to to improve the team, just as it was last season. There was opportunities then to improve the team, and they weren't taken, and and ultimately fell short. I just just hope that the fans kind of stay on board as long as possible. Um, until we're and, and until such a time as we're ready to have a go at the Premier League. But on that on that chirpy note, just as a, as we uh, as we start to get more and more depressed with ourselves, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to sort my internet out and take a sledgehammer to the router. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about the visit to Birmingham City. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. On Saturday, Sunderland make their second away trip in a row down to Birmingham City to be reunited with uh, Tony Mowbray, who um, oversaw a, a 1-0 victory over Blackburn in midweek. Uh, Blackburn managed by John Eustace, who used to manage Birmingham. Birmingham managed by Tony Mowbray, who used to manage 
Blackburn. So that, that just gets a little bit confusing. So it's it's another Tony Mowbray Derby on Saturday. Um, how how are you how are you expecting it to shape up? We'll, we'll come to you first, John. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I mean, they're not in. Any, I mean, they lost to Sheffield Wednesday, didn't they? Birmingham only the other day, and then um, they lost to Leicester, which is no no disgrace. Leicester would turn over everyone. Um, but I wouldn't say they're in any sort of form that should concern us. Um, I don't think our record in recent times has been particularly great there, though we did get a good win there last year when Ahmad scored a brilliant goal. Um, it's going to be a case of which which Sunderland turn up. Is it you know the Sunderland that's kind of steady at home? Is it the Sunderland that play well for one half? Is it the Sunderland that turn up last night? I think there will be a reaction to last night. I think there'll be a lot of embarrassment from the players' point of view when they reflect on on the result. Um, and I don't even think it was um, as a result of being like leggy or tired. It didn't have that vibe to it. It just had um, just a, a real uncoordinated approach about it. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, a lot of it will come down to his team selection, um, how he wants to actually play. Does he want to play with balance? It sounds to me like Roberts is is injured again um, yeah. with his hamstring, which suggests why he, he hasn't started the last two games, although he's been available. So um, again, are we going to be forced to play narrow or should he do probably the sensible thing, which is probably the best option would probably be to keep Barr out wide right, play him as a winger and at least keep a, keep a shape um, in, in my opinion um, so yeah, Mundell's a bit raw and he looks to be um, an inverted winger doesn't he on the left um, so yeah it's a lot of it's just going to, it's going to come down to selection I think um, both centre-backs are on Nine bookings now, but I don't know. Is thirty-two games the cut-off now? I'm not sure actually, but they, they might be might be safe now. Um, I always thought it was Easter, but I think that's that's it. Obviously, come, Easter, Easter comes at different times in the year. Doesn't Easter it? comes so, at different times because yeah. Jesus resurrects at different times of the year, depending on chocolate sales. But um, yeah, it's it's one it's one of them. Um, We'll just we'll we'll just have to um, hurry up and wait for two o'clock on Saturday to see what the team is and hope that it's it's a positive one because the best version of Sunderland is one that is 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 pressing, is moving the ball quickly, is hitting teams hard on the break, and not just having two thirds of the possession last night and doing nothing with it. We've seen in previous matches, you know, for the for the month before when when Roberts was was out with his in, in, initial injury, you've seen how we've struggled. On the right hand side, uh, Mick, how how do we solve that problem, and how do we solve that problem on Saturday? I'm not even really sure we can because I think what's been um, a little bit lost in the whole debate about the right hand side is um, like Abdullah Bar, like where he actually fits in the team because he would mm. be the furthest wide to the right player, but he doesn't play like as a pure out and out right winger under Michael Beale. Um, but what was but what Alex Pritchard used to give you, he was really good at playing that kind of like half space, kind of like drifting between off the right and in the middle. He played yeah. that role excellently against Preston on the New Year's Day. Um, and I think Barr, like, he does try and play like that, but I don't think he's necessarily got the ability. So I think it would be great to see um, like Barr playing like um, out 
wide right, so I think that's where he's best. And then having like a Pritchard type in that role, but we don't have Pritchard anymore. And for some reason, ever since Alshish made that error against Ipswich, which he just seems to not be allowed to give him any sort of game time. I know he's come off the bench a couple of times, but I mean, like, try and affect games from the start. So I just, I don't really know what the solution is because, um, as I say, like, Barr, I just, I'm not really sure, like, when he is playing at the minute, where he is playing. But the best football we've seen from him, in my opinion, is off the right. So what we go with on Saturday, I really don't know. Um, but it is a really big dilemma and it's one that's absolutely knacking us basically because last night we were just so narrow it was unbelievable I mean that chart I saw of our average position you could have just thrown a blanket over not only the midfield but the whole team and we just can't play like that because it doesn't um, use our talent effectively at all Do you think he'll 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 keep with with Nazari Razin Rusin up, up front or do you think he'll he'll tweak it again because he doesn't seem to want to give strikers more than two games before he before he makes changes, I know, I know he's, I know Rusin seemed to have settled in now, but it was another difficult shift for him last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, out of the striking options, he's probably the one that's probably going to wear wear the back four down more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, whether he's whether he's got the positional discipline to just split the centre halves and play that kind of high role. Drag drag centre halves away, create space for the likes of Clark. I'm not sure. Um, you know, what obviously what he did against Borough, finding space and going into pockets is good. Um he, I do think Bill probably does does like him and he has hinted at that. Um the issue is is that you've got Hamir who He's he's starting to score for the age groups and he looks a lot more mobile. And for me, at least he is a physical presence um, that might just give centre-backs something something to think about. Whereas a lot of sides, particularly last season, like when we had Gelhart as as a 10 trying to play a nine, defenders were just carrying the ball out and kind of taking the piss in a way because they just knew they were in for an easy afternoon. And the first half of the season, they're like, Christ, we've got Ellis Sims and Ross Stewart to deal with here. It's a nightmare. Um, so it, we have changed. We have, we've become a bigger side. Um, but the fact that we don't really know what he's going to go with is says a lot about it. It says that there isn't a striker there that's necessarily laying down a marker to say, pick me. We know he feels that Rusin is a wide forward naturally. So is he going to try and set up in a way which negates having a number nine, which again, just it's just a cyclical problem that we've had as long as Ross Stewart's been unavailable for selection and since he's left. Yeah. Someone who, who knows only too well our problems going forward is, is Tony Mowbray who sits in the opposite dugout on Saturday, do you think Mick he'll um he'll exploit our weaknesses and he'll know where to kind of dominate and 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 or do you think we we've changed enough now to kind of be able to 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 block Moby from making any changes that would that would exploit us? Yeah, I think Mowbray, I think he um, people said he wasn't like a great tactician, and yeah, at times he wasn't. Let's be honest, but. I do think he's a bit more shrewd than people give him credit for. I think in some games, like in, in some one-off games, rather, his game plans were good and they've really exploited the opposition's weaknesses and heightened our strengths. So 
I really hope he doesn't do that against us, but he will be all too aware of our defensive vulnerabilities, whether Birmingham have the talent to to beat us, that's one thing. But I do think um it's a if we were coming up against Birmingham who weren't managed by Mowbray, if it was still Wayne Rooney's Birmingham, for instance, I'd be a lot more confident of a result, put it that way. But I don't think it's an insurmountable task. I still think um Birmingham the they are where they are in the league for a reason. Mowbray hasn't achieved great results since he's gone in there. And equally, we should know, like our lads should know all about like what the weaknesses of the Tony Mowbray team is in terms of the setup and how we're trying to approach yeah. the game, so we can make it work in our favour. So, as I say, it does kind of bring a different dimension to the game, but I don't think it's one that we should find that daunting. And um, we need a big response from the players. And as much as I'm really disillusioned off last night, I don't agree with the talk of people saying the season's over because it's apparently not. You know, it, we can still put a good run together, and we still can made a crack at the playoffs because like I say even though our form has been so patchy all season basically we've already lost more games this year than what we lost in the entirety of last season we can still um, we can still like make the playoffs we're still in and around those places which is remarkable really but we need to put our foot down and take advantage so again starting Saturday we need to go to Birmingham get a win and then we've got a home game against Swansea coming up we haven't been in great form so again there's opportunities there to try and get us in and around those places and where we need to be because March is a brutal month in terms of fixtures, so we need, we need to take as many points as we can from the next two games. Other than the, the enforced changes uh, that, that you know Roberts is expecting to miss out with with the recurrence, what seems to be a recurrence of, of the injury that's, that, that kept him out for a month previous, other than those changes, uh, John, what, would, what changes would you make on Saturday? I would be um, keen to get Rig in that starting lineup. I think mm-hmm. um he came on against Plymouth and he 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 was um he went hunting for the ball, he had lots of energy. I think he's a very intelligent footballer for his age and he has got an eye for goal as well. Um so he's all, he also he hasn't necessarily been involved in some of the, the games that have carried massive negativity mm-hmm. in recent months. So I'd like to see him get in there. It's encouraging that Bill is making subs closer to 65 minutes now than 85 minutes so even if he doesn't start I think he may well he may have a chance of featuring um mm. yeah it, I mean it, it's it's difficult like I said about the um the center house walking a tightrope uh, I'd have no issues with seal coming in but we'd probably have to change our shape and go to three at the back um which wouldn't wouldn't disappoint me too much because it could enable us to maybe get another a 10 up there or someone further up the pitch um and force a bit of width from wing backs but yeah um yeah i i don't see him making massive changes he still has that core eight or nine players that will play regardless so you're only talking one or two tops really um birmingham are probably struggling just as much as us in terms of, um, well, our, our goal scoring issues are away from home, but they are really struggling to score. So they, um, Mowbray's going to have to find something to counteract that issue. Um, so I do feel that, you know, we don't necessarily have to score a lot of goals to win this game, but something something is going to have to change in the personnel because you can't have that 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 side last night with that that direction and that work ethics it just it just doesn't work you need um yeah 
you need a few fresh legs in people that aren't scarred from it, people that are just going to come in. And I, I wouldn't be afraid to pull a, a youngster or two in. And Rig fits that bill perfectly for me. Um, yeah. Someone that's come in and make a difference. And if it isn't going right, then, you know, bring in some of the more semi-senior players, the ones that have been in and around it, the the Alshishis, et cetera, that could come in and aren't afraid to get on the ball as soon as they get there. Whether, whether successful or not, they're not going to hide, for example. Um, and when it's when it works well, it it does work well. The examples being you know QPR away here in the season grounds like that where they have flourished. So yeah, I just yeah. If if you want something, you have got to go out and get it. And Bill should really be looking to risk a defeat to win games because just setting up to be marginally better than the opposition is well, marginally better than the opposition is you know just above mid-table, isn't it, really, over a season? That's it. That doesn't get you up. That's it. I think uh, what you say there about about defensively with the the tightrope being walked by by the centre-halves, I'm I'm not too concerned about that, as you say, because we've we've got cover in that that area. We've got, you know, defensive players who can play a number of positions. You know, when, when, you know, Leo Yeld's been playing left-back, but he can play a centre-half too. And Callum Styles is going to be coming into the team soon once he's recovered from his from his operation. So that's an option at left back that could move Yeld in inside if he needs to play there. Um, obviously, Hume can play centre half as well as as we've seen earlier, you know, last from last season as well. So that's that's not too much of a concern. Um, Mick, would would you make any changes other than other than other than Roberts? Well, I guess he came on anyway at half time, so it's. So would you, would you go unchanged, or would you make a few a few changes? Um, it's difficult because last night was really poor, so you would expect some consequences. But I'm just trying to figure from a practical viewpoint what changes can you really make? Because um, obviously up front, Rusin he wasn't involved in the game much last night, but he's burst to a better alternative. No, I mean he's played, he's had the of the strikers we've got. He's had the most game time from the start and the longest run of games in the team and he's never really shown anything off the bench he's not really shown anything and the only goal he scored is a second hit fierce header from like in the six yard box so he wouldn't bring you anything different um, again you want to give Job a rest but it's just like what's the, what's the alternative I mean I do agree um, to an extent John I wouldn't be against saying Chris Rigger get a goal from the start but it's a hell of a gamble Um this is it. I think we've got a squad full of players who you're like, yeah, he could have an impact off the bench. He could play well in spells, but it's about putting together a cohesive performance, which, like I say, we've not seen from Bale. Um, so in terms of would I make wholesale changes, the answer would be no, because I just don't think we can. I don't think the scope's there, because we're going to have to play, like, if we took Joe out and played, like, Barthor over the middle, then who's going to play on, on the right? So I just think there's there's a load of questions, but not a great deal of answers at the moment. So I can't say the bean sweeping changes for the same at all. Yeah, I think with me, I'd, I'm 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 tend minded to agree with you, Mick. I'd perhaps not make any changes in terms of personnel, but I'd certainly be telling Abdullah Bar to hold more of a, a position on the right rather than having a rather than straying inside. Because what we found last night was was when Bar came inside. Hume went with them as well. So there was absolutely no outlet at all on the right. Hume has previously 
held a decent position on the right on the right right side of the defense um under Beal. He's been making those runs on, on outside of whoever has been playing on the right. That wasn't happening last night. And that just contributed to us playing so narrow and it just played right into Huddersfield's hands who who just nullified every attack that we had going because they had the numbers in there. I think it would be it's it'll be a similar a similar thing, you know, Tony Mowbray likes to pack his midfield. We, we we know that. And I think if we don't exploit what what can be our strongest outlet, which is the likes of Clark and and also Barr. And Barr Bar has held that position in the past and he's done it quite well. You know, he, he can you know, the old adage of getting uh, coming out with boot with uh, paint on your boots, that kind of thing. He does he does do that. And I think there seems to be a tendency to to let these players stray inside, and I think a little bit more of a, a tougher stance on on holding your position and and having a bit a bit more of a, an attacking shape to us might might help, possibly. <laughs> right, we've had a few um, we've had a few questions on um, oh score predictions actually, it's all falling apart because Matt's not here tonight. Sorry. Score predictions. Where, where, yeah, what do you, what do you see us uh, achieving down in uh, the West Midlands, John? I'm going to completely um, contradict my pessimism and, and go for a one nil win. Yes, I, I don't see us scoring more than one, and I don't see them scoring. So that's how I deduce that. Um, whether we, when we score, I do not know, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a 1-0 win and I'll probably say it will be an incredibly predictable Jack Clark goal. Yeah, good. Like the positivity. So we have, we have been, I mean, it's it's very difficult to be like massively dancing on the, on the streets after, after last night's, after last night's game. It was very, it was very, just very glum and going straight into another away game. Is isn't setting setting the heart rate racing, but Mick, have you have you got a, a similarly positive prediction to make? Yeah, I'm trying to be positive. I mean, I'm going on Saturday, but no. very helpfully, my but very helpfully, my ticket stuff hasn't arrived yet. So, really looking forward to about the disco nightmare and getting in touch with the ticket offs, etc. Um, because if anything, we're too efficient sometimes. Um, but aside from that, um, I am going to be a bit like John because I struggle to predict like sudden and defeat. I'm a bit like Jimmy Ray in that regard. I like to at least yeah. one the game with a semblance of positivity. So yeah, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for two one Sunderland because unlike John, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. But every time I completely give up on the club and the idea we can achieve anything, we'll pull a result out of the bag and I'll start believing again. And then when I've got some actual belief in them, we'll just go and lose. So. We're very much on the I'm losing faith rapidly cycle. So we're going to win 2-1 and I'm going to go for Rooson and Clark with the two goals. I'm going to agree with you on the 2-1. I'm going to, I'm going to say it will come from come from behind to win 2-1, I think. And uh will be a, a late goal from Romain Mundell, who, oh. who instantly writes himself into Sunderland folklore with... A forty-yard shot. I'm getting carried away now. Anyway, we've had we've had some questions from from that there Twitter. Um, Rob Ellison Davison asks, with the inconsistency we have shown all season under both managers, do you think we'll be able to, with the current squad, put a run together that will get us into the playoffs? 
Um, I think we can put a run together whether we leave ourselves a little too much to do because unlike last season, there are better sides with better equipped sides um, there. And I think the playoffs, you know, we're some 14 points behind Ipswich, probably a bit more behind Southampton, certainly way behind Leeds and um, Leicester. But um, so I think we'd probably only be playing for one position and I think there'll be quite a few teams playing for it whether we've got yeah. the proven fitness of the squad the squad depth and the squad maturity to get over there the only thing we do have experience of is is reaching playoffs for the last two seasons and whether we can as KLD said peak at, at, at four playoffs um, you know on our day we were good enough to beat anyone comfortably in that division I've, I've no doubt of that um, it's it's whether that day comes along often enough for us. Um, so I I say yes, we could, but I'm not sure we will. In the, the playoff picture at the moment, it's, it's it could be anyone from Coventry in six with 48 points down to Cardiff in 14th. Uh, they've got a game in hand. They've got 40 points. But even then, Plymouth with 37 could could make a bid to get in watch, there. It's not watch, likely, Bristol, but... watch Bristol City make a run. Well, they're in there. They're I can there. see Bristol City. I can see Bristol City putting on a run now. Yeah, they're eleventh of forty-four. So, um, mm. so yeah, they 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 they're, they're snapping out our heels. There's not there's not that much. I mean, we're in tenth now, but you you, you as uh, you know, you use the uh, the uh, analogy of of uh, throwing a tea towel over the midfield. You could you could throw a postage stamp over the over these these teams here. I mean, that that's that's the beauty of the championship. Um, that's what we saw last year. Obviously, sixty-nine points and finishing six is incredible. Like we're going to have to outscore ourselves to uh, to to even finish, you know, tenth. You would say, but I, I think it's possible. Mick, do you think it's possible? Um, it's definitely possible. I mean, last season we went on a minging run from early February, I think mid February rather, until we went went we Norwich won one nil, and then. Off the back of that, we got beat off Sheffield United in the midweek. And then I don't think we lost another game after that till the end of the season. So, of course, we're capable of doing it. But again, I don't know how on about it. I think the squad is weaker than last season. We don't have the players with that kind of X-factor who... A prime example of the game last season was Birmingham at home. We were playing, we were playing all right, but um, we didn't necessarily look like getting the winner. Then Ahmad gets the ball, edge of a penalty area, cuts inside the man, whips one in the bottom corner. And there you go, there's a, there's a game, there's three points. And there were so many games where our key players came before and um, we kind of like snuck a win here or we got um, got a result to get into the playoffs. And as already been, as sorry has already been pointed out, we're in a position where we're going to have to get more points than the total we got last season to achieve a playoff place. So I don't think it's impossible, but I would say at this stage it's highly unlikely because all season long we haven't strung a run together of... Um, of results really, and that's um, and that's going to be a big factor because in order to get there, we are going to have to put a run together, but we've not seen this season at all. Yeah, where earlier when when I when I put the the post on on Twitter to to ask any questions for for us, there were quite a lot of negative stuff. Like wise men say, as as a as a as a kind of a, a podcast gets a lot of criticism for being or being perceived to be very negative. Uh, where where we've gone nowhere near as far as some of the fans like you know we we always try to stay 
in the middle of 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 the line when when you're talking about victories. We don't get too high. We don't get too low after a defeat. I just, I mean, there's there's quite a lot of people still banging the bail out drum. So so <laughs> rather than end on negativity, we'll we'll just gloss over that. Um, obviously, you know, we've 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 held the poll, which was a few weeks ago, and and that the results of that were pretty. Uh, pretty condemning. I think a lot of fans have probably started to change their mind. I know Sunderland Echo held a poll earlier on in the week that um I think the the percentages changed to about thirty five percent who'd who want to keep keep them here. Um I think winning helps. But yeah, would uh don't need to go over old ground and 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 start banging that drum again. So final question, Gary Jerry, who's asked about fifteen questions tonight, has asked uh, should wise men say by an old pacer? And record podcasts in it. My well, my answer would be overwhelmingly yes. Yeah, I think I think since the majority of us are six footers, it may be an interesting dynamic to get a few. I think the the shotgun <laughs> yeah. would be a massive one. <laughs> You'd have to take out like yeah. the seats because <laughs> those, oh, those yeah. the seats. I, I liked it when they kind of re renovated them from the bus seats and just put normal like train seats in, but didn't actually change the footprint of, of the train itself. So the, the packed in the same amount of seats. So you had like zero leg room and you, you, your knees were in someone else's spine. So yeah, I think we'd have to take out like every other row of seats and put some desks in there. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit of soundproof in there to warm it up a bit. Um, the big question for me uh, would be where, where would we park it? Do you have any space outside your place, John? Yeah, yeah, I've got plenty of space outside mine. It's not convenient for the rest of you, but yeah. Um, obviously, <laughs> no, it wouldn't uh, be, no. So I'd, I'd be a hell of a drive just to uh, deliver a pod three times a week, but yeah, yeah. I don't have I don't have space outside mine for a, for a pacer. I do live quite yeah. near the railway line, so I suppose I could park it there. But I think Network Rail might have a few words to say about that. Be frowned upon. Yeah, it would be. Mick, where would uh, would you have any space outside yours to park it? No, absolutely not. Um, well, on a coffin fit somehow. We've just been asked about a pacer, so <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I think it's uh, just uh, you're imagining the dry air that the pacer, pacer provided, those heaters that were both hot and cold at the same time. And uh, Yes, yeah, it's a very particular type of heat, isn't it? Yeah, I am both boiling... And also have hypothermia at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like the it's like the temperature equivalent of when you know when you've got like a, a fever and like you're sweating bubbles but you feel freezing. It's like that kind of heat emanating yeah. from the yeah. I think I think most of the places have been sold off anyway. Like charities have have got them and things and have them parked in hospital car parks and stuff. It's like kind of holistic things. So. I think I would be enthusiasts, won't they? They'll be like, yeah, oh, definitely, yeah, just, yeah. They'll be on, there'll be something on like um, Grand Designs or something. Someone will make like a bungalow out of one or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think our, be, our best chance is getting a metro when they, when they decommission them, and I would definitely be front of the queue to buy a metro again. Nowhere to park it, but <laughs> I think I, I came up with the idea a couple of weeks ago of having like. Two decommissioned metros in a in a car park and have it as like shared office space. I think it would be fantastic. So if, if um, we did get a, 
if we did get a metro if we did get a metro then it would like knock the schedule of the podcast because the Monday show would have to go out on a Tuesday then we'd have to have a gap in service for a couple of weeks and then we'd have to you know what I mean so the schedule would be a nightmare so definitely not a metro yeah it would be forever delayed (laughs) to to get what we wanted no I'd I'd absolutely love that but um say apologizes (laughs) so uh, yeah that's uh that's about it We'll be back on. Um, we'll be back on Monday. There's. A, I don't think it's a reaction pod. Are you going? Are you going down, Nick? John, you going down to, to Birmingham? I'm sitting on the yeah. fence. I've, I've. I've got. I've got a ticket if I want it. I've just got to see what I'm up to. So um, I'd like to go because I was supposed to go last night with my one pound Trans Pennine Express ticket in the sale, but um, I had uh, parental responsibilities for a poorly child, so. I was, yeah. I was spared it and I had the red button instead with its one camera. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully, but we'll see. We'll see. Cool. Mick, are you going? Yeah, I'm going, mate. Yeah. You're away. There's a back, aren't there? We are very much back in the mix this season. Um, but I think the reason I've done them all in February is because I've looked at March, it's like Southampton away. Cardiff away, yeah. Norwich away, Norwich. and I think, and I think, me days if they were them days on like a bus, and like, I think them days are kind of behind me a little bit. So <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing any next month. But you also know that's why like, we need so, a pacer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, that's um, yeah, so it's we'll, gonna go on. Sorry, we'll, we'll definitely save more like next month if me days have been like proper way come back, whereby. I'll say I'm not going, and suddenly on the Friday night, I'll just get a spare ticket and end up going. So we'll see. Yeah. When you go to bed and wake up, and there's a there's a, there's a, a pristine ticket sitting on the uh, sitting <laughs> on the bedside table. That's what we like. And to the see. mini bus is just outside your flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, beeping its horn. Come on, Mick. Time to go. Well, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, well, Gareth and Stephen will be back on Monday anyway with a with a, uh, a look back at at Sunderland's two one victory over Birmingham City. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 